Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And welcome to week two of our micro-theme month, which is, to me, how do I put... How do I gently put the fact that maybe two movies a week... Every time we do two movies a week, it reminds me why we only do it once or twice a year. It is work. It turns (laughs) us into a job. Like, all of a sudden, we need a plan around it. And listen, I'm complaining about watching movies. I understand. The the house is glass. (laughs) I understand. But, you know, it's like, huh, time to watch at minimum three and a half hours of content so we can get 40 minutes of content for ourselves. Right. The thing is, I struggle on two I can do as long as they're good movies. Last week, we had to do the... um, Movies with canceled sequels, which objectively are bad movies, are not good enough movies. And that was painful. But I'm glad we don't have, like, another theme like that. Yeah, so if this is your first episode and your introduction to us was us whining and complaining about a podcast that no one forced us to do. (laughs) This was our decision. So was the format. Everything that goes along this track is something that we could have stopped at some point along the way. So us complaining about it makes no sense. However, this is a hill that I have decided to die on, and you, audience member, are here to die with me. Now, that being said, let's talk about our movies. Okay, so this week's micro-theme is parody movies. So we chose... Parody's Nuts. I had to say it. Sorry. Had to get it out so at the top. So we chose if I didn't, the 1987 I classic, the Spaceballs, and the 1997 classic, Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. We're going to be talking about these movies in depth. Not that spoiling them is going to ruin much of the experience. The newest one is 25 years old. <laughs> so, just wanted to give you a heads up. However, if you don't want to listen to us talk about movies at all and skip to the other part of this episode, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 28 minutes, 55 seconds. So Spaceballs was the one that I was more looking forward to when we were choosing these two movies. I, I'm, I was happy to watch both of them. I've been meaning to watch both of them. But, like, I am absolutely more of a Star Wars guy than I am a James Bond guy. So, obviously... And I'm also more of a Rick Moranis guy than I am a Mike Myers guy. So, like, the math is adding up. Spaceball should be a Craig movie. Right. And it should be the opposite for me, though. I'm a big James Bond guy. I've seen this... I mean... Star Wars movies once. I've seen all of them except for the the most newest one. And I, don't, I haven't watched any of the shows. I haven't watched Mandalorian. haven't watched any Clone Wars. None of it. I've played Lego Star Wars. But think... He struggled to think of a second Star Wars dude, show. Dude, I was really like, Andor? <laughs> is that one of them? Yeah. Um, Mandalorian. Man, dude, it's... Regardless. It's not my thing. It's not my demo. Bond is... Um, and I haven't seen either one of these. I've seen actually I've seen the first like 25 minutes of Spaceballs because this is like every middle schooler's favorite movie. Um, but I'm going into both of these pretty much blind. Yeah. And so going into Spaceballs, um, this movie is, you know, highly revered. It, a lot of comedians point to this movie as comedy inspiration a lot of people get like their tone of comedy from movies like Spaceballs, especially comedians that are kind of like aging out of their prime right now. Like people that were in their prime when we were like getting into comedy, they all pointed at Spaceballs and be like, this movie is like, this is comedy gold. And it is. I think the pacing of the movie screws up this movie more than anything else. Right. There, I feel like there's a lot of pause for jokes. Yes. Um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it definitely feels like this is as close as you can get to not having a laugh track. Yes, exactly. Uh, the the plot to this movie, I don't think really needs to be explained too much unless we need to like talk about details. But it's very clearly like beat for beat. You know what part of the story of Star Wars this movie is parodying. All the characters are very clearly, you know, you know who they're supposed to be. 
you know what they're referencing. Like nothing about this. This movie isn't hiding anything. It is obviously a Star Wars parody. And that's part of the joke. That is the joke. Yeah. Like there's not like it's not like, oh, this is just generic space. This could be Star Trek this week. No, this is 100 percent Star Wars. There are characters whose names rhyme with the Star Wars character. There are themes. There are costumes. It's like lightsaber duels, the whole nine yards. It's as close as you can get to like a one for one, you know, brutal copy. Um, And whenever parody movies come out, I always find it really or whenever parodies at all come out, I find it really interesting what the creator or people involved with the franchise that it's parodying think of it. And George Lucas like loved this movie. Like he went, he wrote a letter to Mel Brooks being like, Hey, I busted up laughing. Like I might've actually hurt something in my body laughing while watching this movie. And he was like, you know, even if it wasn't parodying star Wars, I think this movie stands out very well on its own. And like, I think it does for the most part. Um, but having that star Wars backing definitely makes this better. Yeah. It's some things are funnier. Cause you know what they're supposed to be. Like there's a character's name is barf. It makes sense. Because he's based off Chewbacca. But Barf is a good enough character for just to be a weird guy. Yeah. And the Yoda parody, his name is Yogurt. Just straight up Yogurt. <laughs> yep. Um, that's one of those ones that it's kind of nice to know the context. Yeah. And the Force versus the Schwartz. Yeah. I mean, it's good, dude. I'm not going to lie. Now that I'm saying like some of these jokes out loud, it's... It's funny. It Now, my favorite jokes in this movie were the ones that weren't par- it, it was I I liked the fourth wall breaks. And I know that you I typically loved don't. it in this movie. Good. Oh, God. I loved it in this Thank movie goodness. because it was one of those things that like I hate fourth wall breaks in serious movies. This movie is so almost like not a movie. It's it's like so it's too self-aware. So the fact that they were doing fourth wall breaks, I'm like, I expect that of you. If they wouldn't have done that, it would have been like, oh, you guys are trying too hard. Yeah, because I can think of three instances off the top of my head where they make jokes about it being a movie. The first one is, I think, the most iconic one where in order to figure out what happens at the end of the movie, Rick Moranis, who plays the bad guy, rents a copy of Spaceballs, puts it in a TV, and fast forwards to the end of the yeah, movie they're, they're to see they're trying what to he find needs to do somebody. next. They're like, well, where are they? Like, well, let's go look at the movie, and let's skip to the part where we find out where they are. And you watch that whole process. There's also another bit where instead of turning off a TV for them, they turn off the TV the movie is playing on. So there's a bunch of banter of like, you turned off the movie. Turn the movie back on. We can't see anything. Turn on the movie. Also another good bit. And then like uh, Mel Brooks as the president has an offhanded line of like, this ship is too big. If I had walked, the movie would be over by now. Yeah, dude, it's it's good. I liked it a lot. And like another one was they made a joke about um, Spaceballs, a sequel, the need for more money. Yes. And I'm like, this is fire, bro. This is fire. And so here's the thing about comedy movies, and we've talked about this before, is usually comedy movies have a specific tone about them, and they have a general, like, consistency to the tone of their bits. If you don't like that tone, you're not going to like the movie. That's kind of what it boils down to. And I think there were, like, two or three bits that they would do frequently that I just was not a fan of. Like... I did not like Barf. Yeah, Just, me either. I know people who love John Candy. I'm yeah. indifferent, but he was a superstar. Oh, absolutely. Also, you know, this, like I said, this movie has an incredibly powerful cast. Like Mel Brooks, John Candy, Rick Moranis, Bill Pullman, Joan Rivers. Like, like, come on. Yeah, you don't need to be in the era to recognize that this movie's like special. Yeah, absolutely. And... If you go back and listen to the review of the original trilogy that we did on Small and Tall, I had a lot of complaints about A New Hope not really aging very well simply because it's paced like a 70s movie. 
And because of that, the movie is slower. It's not as fun. Mm. It's kind of harder to follow. I think that this movie suffers from a similar problem because obviously that's what it's trying to emulate. The first five minutes of this movie, literally nothing happens. <laughs> There's one joke and it's a visual gag. Um, and so I, I know I, th- when I notice that, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have a lot of the same problems with this movie that I had with A New Hope. And I did. There are parts of this movie where it's just kind of boring. Yeah, that's it was a big hit for me. Um, Like I liked this movie, but there were parts that were so boring that I was I just didn't want to watch. I wanted to skip to the good parts. Like I didn't want to stop the movie. I'm just like, oh, let's let's just get back to the part I'm interested in. Anytime Rick Moranis is on screen, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Um, There's a couple times with the Han Solo parody character and the Leia parody character where i'm like this is lame and this is boring the president scene lone star and princess vespa right and then king roland anytime he was on screen didn't care there was not a single scene where king roland was in it and i'm like "Ah, i i I was never invested the nose job bit was kind of funny but like that was the that's all it was was it was kind of funny and it the problem is the things that make this movie good are the things that also take away from it is they commit to bits they commit. Yes, so if you like it, so. you're in for five minutes of hilarity. If you don't, you're going to suffer through three to five minutes of a joke you're not a fan of. The best joke in this movie, in my opinion. And it's not the best joke. It's just the, it, it, it's the one that I did not expect that I will remember until the day I die is Dot's virgin alarm. So oh. good. That I like that bit a lot. The scene leading up to it, because that's I think that's why I like that bit so much, because I was like, uh, Lone Star and Vespa are, you know, they're kind of doing the romance thing. There's a little bit of banter, some chemistry, but like overall, it's not very funny. So I'm like, all right, this is like plot stuff, whatever. Right. And then and then Dot's virgin alarm goes off because they're about to kiss. And I'm like, that's that's what I needed. That is exactly what this scene needed. Thank you very much. I just like how this movie is packed with jokes. I think my problem with par- so, a lot of parody yeah. movies is they pick like four or five things to spoof. And then they just go on with the rest of the movie. This movie is packed with jokes. Packed with them. Yeah. And I loved a, it. a lot of parody stuff. And so... The main reason why I don't like The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, you know, every year they do a Halloween episode where they parody horror movies. And I think more often than not, that show, the the Treehouse of Horror episodes, do a bad job of adding jokes that aren't parody dependent. Like, you need to know the material to get that bit. Because the bit only lasts for like seven or eight minutes. With a movie like Spaceballs or Austin Powers, it helps. I think Austin Powers more so than Spaceballs, but it helps to know the material, but you don't need to. There's a lot of jokes in this movie that are just jokes. Yeah, like uh, the We've Been Jammed. That It's a bit that has nothing to do with Star Wars. It's just supposed to be funny. I also loved the scene where they went to like hyperdrive and then the lines like the I don't it's not even like a funny thing. It's something like they notice like oh when you go fast the stars start to blur into lines. When you go faster than that you go plaid. I'm like, dude, how did yeah. how did they come up with that? <laughs> that's like that's just a great joke. I don't know, man. And the self-destruct button, the the whole thing is just packed with jokes. Uh I also love I, I also like the bit at the very end where John Hurt is in the diner and he gets aliened a second time only for the the chest burster to come out and start dancing like the frog on the WB. Yeah, dude. It was... It was what a good bit. That is weird, such a good bit. <laughs> and... Also, the Planet of the Apes reference is also good. Is also good. Like, there's stuff that obviously it's they're gonna make references that if you don't know, they're gonna fly over your head. Star Wars related or not. So those were the two that I caught that I knew that I appreciated. Yeah, I caught them. Didn't care for them. Like, sure, it was one of those things. I'm like, I kind of wish we would have stuck to our theme, but you know what? They had a little bit of wiggle room. Um, they just didn't hit for me. This movie also needed to cut 10 minutes, but I understand why it couldn't have cut 10 minutes. 
Right. Because was... the movie's an hour 36. There are parts of this movie where it feels like we need like eight more minutes. The studio wants eight more minutes. And yeah. it, and it te- and you can feel it. Um, I almost wish they would have addressed it, but it wasn't that big of a deal that um, they needed to. Um, it's just the pacing is weird. And there's going to be some spots where it got boring. Anytime we were on the ship, like I said, with Rick Moranis um, and the big helmet, I loved it. Anytime we left, it felt like a 50-50 shot when well, I was like enjoying it. Not like yogurt, fire. A lot of the banter going on in like the RV spaceship thing, hit or miss, bro. Really hit or miss for me. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think I, I saw I saw a review on IMDb that I think kind of summarizes how I feel. Is like it's a good comedy if you are in the mood for it. Like this is a movie you need to be in the mood for. And I don't think I was in quite the right mood to watch it t- today, but. Mm-hmm. In the end, it's it was still a fun watch. I'm glad I watched it. It's not bad. It's not exactly what I was hoping for, but I get it. I get it. Yeah, I liked it because I'd seen a couple movies up to um, seen this movie the first couple minutes a couple of times. Um, but I mean, like this was back when in middle school. I was like, oh my gosh, they're swearing a lot. I don't know if I can watch this. Um, so yeah. I remember this being a lot more raunchy than it actually is. It's not that bad. It's really not. Um, and I I enjoyed it um, as much. It was just a good movie. I would recommend it to people, but it didn't change my life. It was definitely one of those classics. I'm glad I crossed off my list, though. Yes. So I think I'm going to give it a six and a half. That's exactly what I'm giving it. Six and a half. Just like a good movie. Uh, just didn't change my life. Yeah. So now this is where I start to worry because... The tone, the, the subtle, the subtext of what you've been saying leads me to believe that you did not like Austin Powers. I did like Austin Powers. Thank God. I laughed out loud. I laughed out loud during both movies. Yes, but more so on but Austin Powers. But more so on Austin Powers. To the point where I kind of yeah. want to watch the other two. <laughs> I'm like, me you too. know, even if it's not for the podcast, I might just have to watch them. So here's... Maybe this is the wrong way to intro this movie, but the way that I found the comedy stylings of this movie is a lot of people criticize Family Guy for taking too long with its bits, letting jokes go on for too long. This whole movie feels like the best written Family Guy episode ever. Because it takes its time with its bit. It does that thing where it gets funny. Then it gets unfunny, and then they stick around so long it becomes funny again. Right. But they do that with so many bits, and it's done so well every single time that like those are the vibes I got from it. It got to in the first time they or in the second time they do it, I'm like, are they doing this on purpose? And then it happens so many times, I'm like, oh, they're just trying to like, they're just <laughs> they're just letting you sit in it, bro. Yeah, and it's awesome. And so. This one I'll explain a little bit more for the plot because Mike Myers plays Austin Powers, who is a parody of James Bond, and the movie starts in the 60s. He's chasing Dr. Evil, doesn't catch Dr. Evil, and freezes himself so that when Dr. Evil comes back, he can be thawed and defeat Dr. Evil. And so he gets frozen in the 60s, gets unfrozen in the 90s, and then has to defeat Dr. Evil. So a lot of this movie comes from the clash between Austin Powers' 60s expectations and the reality of the 90s. Yeah, nailed it. Um, like, he used to be a sex He's symbol. He's also incredibly horny. Oh, yeah. he. I mean, he used to be a sex <laughs> symbol. He used to do whatever he wants. He was like the archer kind of character where he's yeah. constantly tell everyone knows he's a secret agent every single person he has his movie starts out with a musical number and people in the he's streets signing know, autographs yeah, people know who he is um and then in the 90s he's been gone for so long that everyone forgets about him but he's still like in his head a sex symbol and it just doesn't pair well with what's going on in real life yeah so because when he gets thawed and he gets paired with a female agent who happens to be the daughter minutes, of the person he used to yes. work with. Yeah, he spends the first 10 minutes just 
harassing her. I'll say it. Yeah, Me Too stuff for sure. And that was not super comfortable to watch. I'm just like, it's part of the bit. It'll come back around. I got to trust the process. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it was just one of those things like the joke is he's out of touch. He's supposed to be doing this. It's one of those things that like, it's not bad for me to watch. Because the person in the scene's like, hey, man, I obviously don't enjoy this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for a very sexually charged character and how sexual nuance has changed in the last 25 years, this movie has aged incredibly well. I'm surprised, bro. I was very surprised. I'm like, wait, this has happened in the 90s? A lot of this stuff is like still relevant. Like, obviously... If you wanted to dig deep, you know, a lot of the jokes are revolved around, you know, the sexualization of women in the workplace and just women in general. But that's kind of the joke is this guy always takes it too far. Austin Powers is the butt of the joke. Right. It's that nobody wants to with him. So he's constantly getting rejected. He's just like not self-aware enough to get it. And... I just found so much of this movie so funny. Like, I didn't think the bit with, what was it, the Swedish penis pump or the... the yeah, that didn't that, hit th- with me. It didn't for me until they br- until he brings up the fourth thing. I think it's when he brings up the book. When he brings up the book that's like, how to use your Swedish penis, <laughs> your Swedish, your Swedish penis pump. By Austin Danger Powers, this is totally my bad. I'm like, all right, you got me. That's what I mean, like, it being, like, the best written Family Guy episode. Like, that's totally a bit, but they wouldn't have gone that hard in the paint. They would have, like, let it stay surface level. Yeah, dude. I I just, like, this movie's full of... my One of my favorite bits is when Austin Powers gets captured. And Dr. Evil's son comes out and goes, we should just kill him. And he goes, no, we, we yeah. can't. And he goes, I got a gun in my room. I can just be back here and we can kill him. Be like, no, we're going to just let him die. And be like, why, why, do, why are you shutting the doors? Be like, because I'm not going to watch him. He's like, you're not going to watch him die? Yeah. What if he escapes? He's obviously going to escape. Be like, you got to have hope. You got to trust. And he's like, what? I can go kill him right now. He can be dead in 20 seconds. He goes, no, that's not how we do things around here. And the whole time I'm like, I'm glad this is happening. I'm so glad this is happening. And the bit goes on for a while. But in the best way possible. Right. I also enjoyed the Will Ferrell scene where he gets dumped into the into the fire pit. Yep. And then he's just yelling from under the floor for, I think, two whole minutes. <laughs> right. uh, and he's just like very much alive. Um, yeah. All the scenes with Dr. Evil and Dr. Evil's son were very funny. Yeah. I like Dr. Seth Evil Seth Green a lot. is very good. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was... It was really, really well done. And the thing, I'll I'll say this again because it's relevant, you know. I think you know in the first 20 minutes if this movie's funny to you or not. So you have 20 minutes to learn if you need to bail. And if you bail, you're missing nothing, I think. Yeah, it's not going to turn around and start being funny to you. If it's not funny in the beginning, it's not going to be funny later. Unless you really need to see Austin Powers be a bad spy because he is. Like, you're not going to be missing much. Uh, there are some scenes like parodying s- the spy culture itself. Like, when they need to swing out of the little island, she uses dental floss, and he does a perfect throw with the capsule, and two of them are able to swing across on it. Like, little yeah. jokes like that about campy spy movies. Um. Also, the gadget scene. <laughs> it's like there's yeah. a toothbrush and toothpaste. He goes, I get it. My teeth are bad. I, it's um, just quality jokes, bro. And so going back to what I said earlier about how people in the franchise feel about the parody is uh, Daniel Craig, not a fan of this franchise, not a fan of Austin Powers. Yeah, but this was before him. Uh, you know, this isn't a parody yeah. of his movies. This is more parody yeah. of like the old ones. And the Daniel Craig reboot from what I under or the Daniel Craig take is a direct result of the Austin Powers franchise because the studio was like, well, everyone expects us to be silly and goofy now. Like we've just been made fun of for eight years. So, uh, hey, hey, Dan. Can we do Casino Royale and make it really good? Right. 
And I mean, and nobody liked, I mean, this is like, so not important. We can cut this. Um, when he got casted, Daniel Craig was like a nobody and everyone thought he was like not attractive enough, which yeah. is wild. Well, he, yeah. Cause he had done some stuff. There's a movie called layer cake that is credited for giving him the role in casino Royale. Cause it's essentially, you know, a lower budget James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, but I was five when that movie came out, so I wasn't exactly involved in the culture back right. then. But this movie, you can tell <laughs> that this movie, it found things to make fun of, which is something that parody movies, good ones do, is it makes you think about the tropes that you didn't realize were tropes. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I forgot that was a thing. Um, And like, yeah, dude, I'm- the, I think the big thing is in this movie... Austin Powers and the his uh the woman that he's working with Vanessa mm-hmm. they do end up deciding like we should be a couple I do like you let's try this out and then after that happens Austin Powers sleeps with another woman cuz he doesn't think anything of it he's like this is what I'm used to and that becomes a big problem in their relationship but Austin Powers goes out of his way to make amends and be like, hey, that's my bad. I'm ignorant about this stuff. If you let me, I will try harder. And the joke about that is that James Bond would never be so emotionally intelligent. Right. Um, yeah, dude. I, there's so many jokes. They were all so good. Uh, I mean, So I think... I mean, and we can't just like break down every single joke. Also, the plot holds no. up. It just, it does. Well, it's good enough that it's not distracting. Yes, it's definitely good enough. Um, It's also, the pro- my problem with Spaceballs is the plot is girl gets kidnapped, we save her, that's the movie. This movie has more going on than that. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't feel like they could have written this on the weekend. Um, Sure. And the dialogue was awesome, and the jokes were awesome. Um, And I, dude, I appreciated it. I appreciated it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I am much... Like you said, I'm very likely to watch the other two movies. Just straight up. I am. So, I think... I think this one's a seven and a half. I gave this a seven and a quarter. Um, Okay. I think a couple jokes didn't land. I think... I mean, the same thing with parody movies is if the joke goes on for a while and you don't think it's funny. For me, it was like the penis pump one. For me, it was the private airplane spinning bed. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, eh, I'm just not into it. Um, but the parts I was into were awesome, dude. It was, it was Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Um, and this movie, I don't think needed any trimming. It's 90 minutes almost on the dot and it fills that time slot perfectly. I was never like, when is this movie over? I'm like, I will take whatever you're going to give me. Yeah, dude, 100%. And this is a movie I would recommend to people for sure. Like I might give a couple of disclaimers. But it's funny. And I think this is also like my first introduction to Mike Myers outside of Shrek. Um, and yeah. he's good. He's good. He is. Yeah. Might have to check out Wayne's World too. Hey, I've watched Wayne's World once so long ago. And I remember it being mid. This is better <laughs> than maybe that. I won't check out Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go ahead. But I think you'll be disappointed if you go into it with like these expectations. Fair enough. All right. Let's move on. Sweet. So we are. It's that time of the year. Where Alex and I didn't want to prepare any bits. (laughs) We just didn't. So every now and then, usually about two or three times a year, we'll just kick back and, you know, do like what 80% of other podcasts do and just kind of show up and hope for the best. This is wild that some people, this is literally what they do. They don't prep for their podcast. They might write down like 10 notes and be like, I'll talk about this. And then they just create an hour of content and people are cool with it. And you know what? Those are the podcasts I listen to. Like almost none of the podcasts I listen to are like well prepped. Most of them are just conversations. Um, and we're just going to try it out, bro. It works for, it's fun for us. We enjoy it. So hopefully you guys find it at least a little bit entertaining. Otherwise, uh, you know, next episode we'll go back to normal. Can I tell you how I've been wasting my time recently? Go for it. I have discovered the sweet, sweet joy of idle games. And that's idle, I-D-L-E. Okay. Um, and so the one that I play, it's a dice rolling game where 
I get one point for every die for every for the number that is rolled on the die. And then I spend those points on multipliers. So I get more points per roll. And then eventually you can buy more die by die that multiply the total score. And you get more points if you roll a pair or a straight or a triplet, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole game. And so oh when you put it away, when you like put your phone in sleep mode or whatever, it keeps going. So you can come back in like three hours. It has been like, ah, you've rolled 14 trillion points while you've been away. I'm like, cool. Thanks. And the reason I bring this up is because I fell out of the mobile game market hard for like six years. Very few mobile games are yeah, fun. I feel like mobile games one, are targeted towards people still in school and they, it's, yes. It's about the community where you talk to your friends about what you're playing, what your high scores are. And like, maybe there's a little bit of like playing with each other, but once you leave that friend group and you're like more independent, it vanishes overnight yeah absolutely and i know i've also been seeing a lot of ads for the worst games i've (laughs) ever seen on the planet hey gang have you been on any ad marketplace recently it's pretty not good it's gotten to the point now where i'm it's gotten to the point now with these games where i'm watching them and i don't under, like, I understand kind of the purpose, right? It's like a short little temple run thing where you you get bonuses and you run through gates and you try to go through the green ones and not the red ones. But that's the whole point of it. And there's a thousand of them. Alex, there's a thousand of them. Yeah, I think people are still trying to just make what was already successful a different version of it. And it doesn't have to be super successful because if... You know, one in 1,000 people who see the ad get it, and there's even like two micro transactions, you're going to make your money back. Yeah. So it's just like, I feel like there's a, so many apps that are just mediocre that are out right now. And it's so frustrating because every time I'm like, all right, I need to find a new mobile game. Like, what can I do to kill 10 minutes or five minutes? And I see like top free apps, and it's like, look pretty color my phone no my beef is that so many of them have like ads every time you lose or a round yes. ends and the ads last forever that's my beef. forever it's obnoxious. And, and they always and you always have to click on them like three times to get them through or you have to it's- watch it for 30 seconds and i'm like well my round didn't even last that long i suck at this game so why is this taking forever like I'm playing this game to kill 30 seconds. It's I hate it, dude. And it makes me want to buy. As soon as the game makes me want to buy the ad-free version, I delete it. Yes. I'm like, yes. if I needed that is- it, that's a problem. That's a serious problem. Um, there's been a couple games that the game is so long that it's worth it. Like Balloon Tower Defense. I don't need an ad-free version. I mean, I'll pay $3 for this game. It's worth it. But if you ever have like a temple run or a Flappy Bird, or something where it's super repetitive, and I'm going to grind through. Don't give me an ad every single one. I'm not going to want to play your freaking game. Did you have something that you... That was the only thing I had. Sure. <laughs> um, I've been reading more. Boo! And here's the thing about Boo! reading, bro. Nerd! I feel like Loser! I'm supposed to do it. So, I feel like 50% of reading is doing it because it looks cool feel it feels good to say that i do it and then the other 50 is actually enjoying what i'm reading and i feel like that ratio is crazy okay but every time i ask you what book you're reading you always whip out the most boring malcolm gladwell concept i've ever heard in my life so i also think maybe you your book selection needs to be widened a little bit only okay i think we've talked about this on the podcast before but i'm gonna bring it up again i read nonfiction. i watch fiction Every once in a while, I watch like based off a true story, but I don't watch documentaries. I can't do it because watching is for fun. Reading is for work and studying and school. So if I want to learn something, Alex, I found your problem. Oh my God. Are you okay? So whenever I read something, I'm like, I better be, I, here's the thing. It's one of those things that like, if I'm going to do something good for me, if I, wait, no, for instance, if I'm going to do something that doesn't feel good, it better be good for me. You know what I mean? It's like if Alex. I'm going to eat broccoli, which 
no one like loves, it better be good for me. Alex, we spent 13 years in school and they spent that whole time trying to show us how to effectively read so we can do it as we enjoy it. The whole reason they showed us 40 billion different genres of books was so we could find one we liked. But here's the thing. I already liked reading and they ruined it for me. They forced me to read classics and movies and books that they thought was interesting. And I just thought they were all stupid. I'm like, why don't force me to read something? I was already reading. So they ruined it for me. So now I read self-help books, biographies, um, memoirs, like history retellings. Very, it's, some of it's dry. Some of it's like super dense. But at the end, I feel like, okay, that was a little bit of work, but I feel better for it. Can I justify reading for fun to you in a way that I think might help you? But here's the thing, like, I'm enjoying it. It's just not effortless. It doesn't sound like you are. Here's the thing is 50% of it is I'm supposed to be doing it. And the 50% is I like it. I feel like a lot of people who read is like 90% (laughs) because they like it. And for me, it's just 50%. So it's not all of it. Like, I inherently don't like working out the 50% is because it's good for me not because I enjoy it you know what I mean so for me it's the same way as reading it's because it's good for me and 50% is because I enjoy it but it's it's half of it like if that half wasn't there I'm gonna tell you so what I'm gonna tell you is I think it's still worth your time to try fiction books again and they're still gonna benefit you and I'm gonna give you several reasons why one the biggest thing about reading more than anything else is it's going to enhance your vocabulary, right? That's the point. That's one of the big things that they try to get on us at school is you're going to learn more words the more words you expose yourself to. And there's no way to get more words directly injected into your brain than books. Yeah, but I'm still reading. I'm reading hella books and they're smart books. I'm reading like stuff written by doctors and stuff. So if it's vo- it's not that I'm not reading. It's just I'm not reading fiction. I know, but the way that you I, I'm and I'm not saying you're not reading. I'm saying you're not reading with your best intentions in mind. I think reading to be smart is a good. It's just not everything needs to be for fun. And I just I've just said that like I enjoy reading like some people enjoy going to class with a teacher they like. Like yeah, you're still going to school, but at least the teacher's nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> Okay. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Um, it just, there's a couple of um, times where I'm like, you know, I just, sometimes I just don't want to go to school. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I had this conversation with um, some coworkers earlier this week and <laughs> we've brought, we brought this up earlier in the episode, which is what reminded me of it. But do you ever think back on how absolutely whack the public school bus system was? Um. Because I think about that frequently because you had to have some teachers or you had some bus drivers that were very strict about it. Like, if you do not have a bus pass, you cannot guest right on my bus. Like, you will not be my responsibility. You are not my responsibility. And then you had other bus drivers that are like, hey, who are you? You're with them? Yeah, whatever. Don't care. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that changed in high school. I think like when as soon as high school happened, all rules out went out the window. You rode the bus in high school? Uh, for the first, up until I got a car. So like for the first uh, all freshman year and then half of my sophomore year, I was the guy uh, who I drove was, other people. So all the underclassmen. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to have a neighbor that was already that for me. Yeah, I was that neighbor for my neighbors. Yeah. Oh, tell me about the high school bus experience. Um, it's the tricky part is it was cool for the as a freshman because most of the bus is underclassmen. Yeah. The problem is, is the guys that aren't underclassmen who ride the bus are like criminals. Yeah, yeah. I was so, about to say, they, they were probably pretty nefarious. Pretty scary stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, thankfully, like, I, whoever, there was, there was like basic human rules applied. The people in the back of the bus were the people who were first on. So, like, I didn't have to share. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about, like, oh, seniors get the back. It was like, no, dude, I got on the bus first. I get the back. What are you going to do? Beat me up? What is this? Like, the breakfast club? I think I'll be fine. So, like, <laughs> I didn't have to worry about that. But it was one of those things I'm like, oh, 
someone brought weed on the bus or there are kids actively watching porn. Like it was that level. Um, Yeah. And it was just like, we just hung out. My, my friends hung out on the bus. As soon as my friends stopped hanging out with me on the bus, I got a car like immediately. Um, Cause like they'll start to fade off. As soon as people get cars, you just lose one friend one month. And then a couple months later, another friend turns 16 or gets a car. And I was probably middle of the road. And I didn't even ride the bus all the time because we stayed after school so often they either got rides home from friends or my parents went and picked me up because we were doing theater and show choir and had rehearsals and stuff. Um, So really, I was only riding the bus in the morning and then, you know, once or twice in the afternoon. Morning bus is always such an unpredictable energy. I love morning bus is the best bus. Half the kids are sleeping, especially as teenagers. Yes, half the bus is sleeping, and the other half, they want to get their day started. So they're antsy. They want they want to get things on the road. And it was always such an interesting dynamic because in elementary school, we were dropped off. Like, we had to do daycare because my parents both worked. So the bus garage was right across the street from that daycare. So we were the first to be picked up and the last to be dropped off. So my brother and I were intimately familiar with the bus and its route. (laughs) So obviously we're at the point in our lives. We're what? 80, 90% of the way through our lives at this point. Um, we're, we're living at 60 right now. I thought you were talking about right now at 25. No, I'm saying right now, you know, uh, us at 23 and 25, you know, we, we are probably 80 to 90% of the way through our lives. Um, okay. I think that it's a good exercise for us as friends and human beings to help each other figure out the best way for that person to die. Maybe not the way they're most likely to die. Maybe not the way they are going to die. But, like, let's find it. Like, what, what sh- how should we die? Um... You should, I'll do this for you. You can do it for me. If you had five years left to live, uh, yeah, let's say five years. And I got to pick how you would die just to like get maximum like karma points. Shareability. Yeah. It needs to be cool. <laughs> like I don't want you to like be in pain, but I also want to be like, I want people to be like, oh, wow. that's. I want it to be sick as yeah, hell. Yeah, it's got to be cool. <laughs> but it also has to be on brand. Like it can't be like you jumped out of a plane and then like. I know that's kind of what I was thinking for you. Like, but if that's you like did, my um, brand and your brand is different. Yeah, if I if you were to bomb gardener yourself without any gear, I don't know. That's something that sucks though because I'm a dad. Like, that's not a good guy. Okay, yeah. Guess what? You're gonna be a dad no matter which one I choose. Yeah, but so. like, make it, it has to be something that when people look at me, they're gonna. How I die can't. Yeah, that was my dad. He he raised me for a really long time, and then he bomb gardened no, himself. No, it couldn't to be. Death. A, he raised me for a really long time. It's just five to ten years from now. This would be like, oh, he oh. left at the most important time of my life. And <laughs> <laughs> fell from the stratosphere. <laughs> and he did it on purpose. <laughs> he just like picked Red the coolest Bull didn't way even to sponsor himself. him or anything. Right. So you don't have kids. <laughs> And let's just assume in five years you don't, because it makes it easier to kill you. Um, okay. I think you should be on stage. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think you and Alec Baldwin need okay, to become friends. So we're reviving Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. I think that uh, you and Alec Baldwin need to get together and figure out how oh, to Oh, no. <laughs> nope. All right. We're, uh, nope. <laughs> I Wrong. think you should die in performance and have it be a part of the performance. Have you seen the movie Birdman? Oh, absolutely. No, I okay. haven't. Um, the people who have know what I'm talking about. But I think it would elevate the performance knowing that, like, let's say you got to do it, like, every day for a year. And on the last day, your death scene was a real death scene. Bro. Hold on. So you are you want me to prestige myself without the clone? Yeah. I want you to prestige yourself every single day for 364 days a year. And on the last day of your final performance, you die for real. I don't know how. I don't think it should be a bullet to the head because so many times that's been botched. But I think the uh, 
I don't know, man. If you could like, I think about that scene, and now you see me too when she's like drowning, like almost for real. Yeah, but we can't. I this can't be like that. a magician. This can't be a bots magician trick. This needs to be like you. Okay. Like, so you saved someone's life. This is part of the story. Like you saved your love interest's life. They're over your body. Like, please don't go. I need you. And you're like, it had to end this way. And then you die ah. for real, bro. <laughs> Uh, I think it'd be on brand for you to die in a motorcycle accident. Oh, dude, we're just coming up with ways for my family to hate me. (laughs) Macy already told me that if I die in a motorcycle uh, accident, she's going to be more mad than sad. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Well, I mean, I don't know how to kill you without making the people around you upset or sad. Okay, bro. So... Um, Have me stop criminals. That's pretty high up on there. Have... Yeah, but, like, that's normal. I want to I wanna find something unique, okay? I think... Something heroic. Okay, here's what I want you to do, all right? Five, ten years from now, obviously, the housing market's going to be garbage until we die. So, you'll be at a point where you're able to build your own house, because that's cheaper, I bet. And when you are building your house, you know, you just work so hard to make a nice home for your family that either I'll let you choose. You die from exhaustion or you let the house fall on you. I think I should die from exhaustion. I think I should be like, okay, I don't know if it's like putting the last. Okay, here's what we could do. I paid for this house in cash, right? Somehow. Sure. And um, in the middle of a storm, like Macy needs to come in like, oh, no, I can't put on her. Or she's going to be like, this is all my fault. Somehow, okay. Here's what, okay, new idea, all right? Mm -hmm. You're familiar of the tale of John Henry, right? The man who raced the steel drill? Yes. You are going to be racing, I don't know, an automatic home builder or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And so it is with the final nail, knowing that you saved the man-made contracting industry for like another 10 to 15 years. Man, what I've learned is that it's very hard to kill yourself and have people respect you. Yes, very it's much so. Very In a unique way. Because we've, hey, we've gotten all the uni- all the formal, uh, the all the honorable deaths. We've done those before. Yeah. We've seen them before. Very rarely have people John Henryed themselves in house buildings. <laughs> yeah. um, I can have you choke in a hot dog eating contest. I mean, that's pretty lame. Unless it is. I win. Unless... Right. I mean, obviously, and you all win, that obviously. money gets like split between like a charity that saves veterans and then setting up my kids for life. Except if we could make it a okay. little bit romantic, then Glizzies, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so we need to find out where the fifteen billion dollar hot dog eating contest is. Hey, Elon, I know you're a little strapped for cash vis-a-vis the Twitter thing, but I know how to get some publicity. <laughs> Help Alex kill himself with a hot dog eating contest. Doesn't have to be hot dogs. If you, um, if you won the lottery, because at the time of recording, the lottery is at like over a. It's at like it, billion. It's over a billion. It's the second highest lottery jackpot ever. It's at one point two. If you won, I have two questions. Would you want to remain anonymous? And two. I mean, yes. Because right, like you don't but... want everyone to like the stories of people hitting you up for money. So then the second question would be, how do you explain your affluence? Okay, this is a great question. So the question, so it's not so much, what do we do to remain anonymous? It's how do we cover it? Yeah. Right? Because like, I think about this all the time is people do not respect a person who wins. You need to earn it. Yeah. Which is stupid. Because at a certain number, luck is the only factor. Like if you read about Bill Gates, if you uh, get to Elon Musk, that is that is a fluke. Um, you you can only earn, quote unquote, so much. And even that much, you can chalk up to the fact that you had both parents in the house, that you went to a good school, that you had the ability to go to college and you didn't have to worry about that. Like, there's so much that can be chalked up. So you just won. That's, I'm not going to give you a billion. Let's just say 300 million, more than most people ever experienced in their entire life. This is generational wealth. Most people will not respect you if they found out you won it. Also... Or inherited it. Or inherited it. Was just, and yeah. you don't want them to know anyway because people could take advantage of you. But your life is going to change. How do you cover it up? You don't need to worry about laundering it because you're not a criminal. But like, how do you cover up? How do you explain it? Cause, uh, oh, I mean, 
Is it too late to use the invested in GameStop excuse? Yeah, because people would have, <laughs> you would have been talking about it by now. Yeah. And, you know, crypto's down. None of that's viable anymore. Right. Uh, <laughs> Real estate's not so too hot right now. So investment's also off the table. So, so you have to find, like, w- there's a specific thing that I did. I think you have to win a bet with a rich person. Right? So what's the most believable bet that you can win? Hi, I'm Craig and I want a and I want a hot dog eating <laughs> contest against Elon Musk. <laughs> I feel like for me, I'd have to slow which is also a healthy thing, I'd have to slowly introduce my money into my life. Like yes, every absolutely. year or two, I'd get a promotion. And by the way, I, this isn't a real job. So I can like clockwork hit it every year. I'll just quote unquote work remotely. Or work at a job, so I'll just leave for eight hours a day. So when my family comes to visit, I'll either just take time off or I'll leave for eight hours a day and just come back. And I'll just go somewhere. I have $300 million. I'm sure I could figure something out. Um, And then just every couple years, I get a promotion. And I think eventually, I'm going to get to like a COO or CEO or some CTO level. And I think- Some three-letter job. Yeah, some, yeah. C series, C level job. Um. They're all made up. It doesn't matter. I think so few people know how much a CEO makes that you can kind of do whatever you want. Like, I think most people can't discern the difference between $500,000 a year and $5 million a year. If As long as you don't fly private. If you don't buy a house yeah. in cash or fly private, I don't think people can tell the difference. Because I think the same person... I think who, that range is a little high, but I understand what you mean. Because, like, if you live in a nice house, I mean, $500,000 a year is an absurd number. But that's what CEOs make. And that's not even the craziest CEOs. That's like a good business. Um, You just fly first class, which is no big deal. You drive nice cars because $500,000, dude, you can pay for a $100,000 car. You can send your kids to college. And I think the difference between $500,000 and $5 million, it's how much you give away, I guess. How much staff you have. I think if you have like a chef or a cook. People start asking questions. Yeah, it's people. It's definitely It's definitely people. like employees. But if you're CEO, just say like, hey, the company, this is a company expense. But I think that's hey, kind of. Uh, remember in high school when you dated the rich girl TM? Yeah. Um, yep. How, uh, how's that? I think about that not often, but like more than once a year. Yeah. Um, How that if that would have worked out and it's not that I wanted it to. Um, sure. It's, but in a hypothetical. In a hypothetical, if that would have gone the distance, it would have been a bad movie. It would have been a bad movie uh, as on an optics level. On an optics level, Hollywood would not greenlight this movie because it's not good. It's affluent white family. Daughter dates <laughs> mixed kid. They start a relationship. Affluent family tries to hire mixed kid as the driver for their daughter. Gets accused of a crime that didn't happen. They overcome this thing. Oh, and by the way, I used to model for her mom's company. Like when I was like two to eight years old. And then what's the happy ending? That they look at me like an equal after helping me get into colleges. And our kids are cute. But like, I know that half of what I have is provided by her parents. And like most of my, want, they helped, they, they offered movie. to give me, get me into colleges, like help me out with admissions. It's a bad look. Uh, <laughs> it's a bad look. I, I, I want that movie. Obviously that movie is called uh, a stable life. And the tagline <laughs> is they, they treat me equally. Yeah. Like it's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. But like, it was weird just being introduced to that, like a person who's like never mowed a lawn before or been asked to or required to, like that just wasn't a thing. A person who's got, who has experience with drivers, like yeah. chauffeurs, um, like that's just different. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's inherently a bad thing. I just think those people have to no. work hard to m- remain grounded and it's very easy not to be. She was, she was actively trying hard to remain grounded. Except some things you just and she, can't I think do. she did a very good she job. She did a pretty good job until you started talking about some stuff. I'm like, that's not how that works. But you don't know what you don't know. It, it, and I think she did a very good job. I think her parents, they were just in the lifestyle too long. But I think 
if you want to, you know, $300 million, you could easily become them and people would just think you're successful. And yes. I think you could throw enough, you know. What's the one item that gives you away? Um, Other than people. Obviously, it's people. But next. I Okay. So when we say people, it's employees. We mean staff. Yes. I think it's like, connections. I think it's when someone's on your phone and you get a call from, I don't know, OJ Simpson's lawyer. And you're like, who is Robert this? Robert Kardashian? Yeah. I don't think his last name's Kardashian. I it, it could have been. Who knows? I, I'm not up to it date was. with. I know. And okay. Regardless, a famous like a famous person calls your phone and be like, oh, yeah, he's my accountant. Oh, yeah, I have him on retainer. He's my lawyer. Or if it's just like a guy, like you can be rich and go to football games and basketball games, sit courtside. That's not crazy. It's when LeBron calls your number, wants to know if you can hang out because he's in Cincinnati for the weekend. That's what's like. Oh, something's different. And then I think you're going to go down like a, oh, a crazy thing aligns where you're like, actually, I just, I'm friends with his photographer and he introduced me and we hit it off and be like, oh, really? That, that's what it is. Can you think of anything that I like, was going to say immediately gives you away? I was going to say an indoor swimming pool. No, I know people with an indoor swimming pool. And have you checked their financial history? Alex, I think you might want to get on They're that. rich and you know them too. You just didn't know they had an indoor swimming pool. Alex, are you ready to move into our free balling segment? Sure, why not? Dude, I'm very excited to see what you keep in this podcast. But uh, I'm, I'm totally ready. Um, uh, you go first. I'm going to talk about stand-up this episode. Um, two specials uh, that I watched. Both of them. Uh, one's on Netflix, one's on YouTube. The one on Netflix is called Sam Morell's um, Same Time Tomorrow. He has put multiple podcasts out, or multiple um, specials out on YouTube. They're all worth watching. All of them. Um, he also has one on Comedy Special, uh, Comedy Central. It's all right. The ones on YouTube are worth it. Um, he has multiple podcasts. I listen to all of them. He put out this uh, stand-up special, and it's just good jokes. Good jokes, front to back. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm familiar with this guy. Yeah. Um, he formerly was dating Taylor Thomason. Um, I think they've since Who broken up. we have both up. talked about before. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we both talked about her. Um He's just good, dude. He's just a really good New York comic. He got a lot of jokes in there. Um, and it's 100% worth the watch. I think you should support him. He's just now getting into theaters. So like you're going to you're catching him on the uprise. Um, but he's friends with all your famic comics. He knows them or he knows or he's worked with them or he knows guys who have worked with them. He's been in the business for like almost 20 years. He's very good. He's also one he's also one of those people at least from the clips I see on TikTok is just like he's very good at being edgy but not offensive. Yeah. And that's what I love in a stand-up comic is he's when you're also, able to Yeah. You do your thing. He also plays both sides. You know you don't you're not going to watch it and be like oh I'm watching a liberal comedian or you're not going to be like I'm watching some super right-wing dude. He makes fun of both sides and it it takes the pressure off the room. So if you're watching with other people, it's not going to be awkward the whole time. Um and so I watched it by myself and just the jokes hit, dude. It's, you don't see stuff coming. He's just funny. He's got a kind of a dry delivery, um, but it works. It's really good, and I 100% recommend it. It's tied for top stand-up special I've seen this year with Joe List. I watched a movie mm -hmm. with my mother. Okay. It's called Ticket to Paradise, and it stars George Clooney and Julia Roberts. The heck of Very rarely does my mother text me. Asking if she can go see a movie. And obviously, since this is the only way I know how to connect with people on an emotional level, I said, sure, mom, whatever you want. And I kind of expected this movie to be boring. It's not. It's good. It's actually like a good movie. It is. I'm going to say it. George Clooney's best movie since Gravity. Um, that bar is pretty low. Yeah, I'm, but I'm scrolling through movies since Gravity. Midnight Sky, Trash. Money Monster, Mid. Hail Caesar, didn't like it. I know some people do. Tomorrowland, blows. Monuments Men, boring. And then Gravity. So, pretty good chance. And also, he was not in Gravity for very long. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the plot of the movie. It's a new movie out in theaters. Uh, George Clooney and Julia Roberts are exes. They were married for about five years. And their daughter 
is graduating law school. She's about to start a big a, a big job at a big firm, and she takes the summer with her roommate at, from college and goes to Bali. And while they're in Bali, she realizes, oh, I actually don't want to go back to America and work a corporate law firm job that is going to stress me out and make me hate myself. And instead, she meets this guy on the islands that is super cute, super emotionally sensitive. Like, and so they decide to get married. So George Clooney and Julia Roberts immediately rush to Bali for the wedding and the wedding parties and stuff like that. And also to maybe stop this wedding from from happening because <laughs> that's kind of crazy. And so the whole movie is just... George Clooney and Julia Roberts bickering with each other in the most chemistry-filled way possible. Because obviously these two natural charisma independently together right. powerhouse. Absolute domination. Does it feel like um, oh, I kind of wish they were together? Cuz it's not really. The- no. Okay. Watching them bicker is the best part of the movie. And it's Did you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? A little bit. Okay, there's there's a dynamic between two characters in that show, between Captain Holt and one of the people on like the administrative side named uh, Madeline Wench, mm-hmm. and all they do is insult each other. That's the vibe of this movie for like 90 minutes. Nice. So if you like roasts, that's what this movie is, is it's roasts. Um I really liked it. It's also heartfelt. It has emotional moments. The second half of the movie is definitely not as funny as the first half. The second half wants to be more heartfelt. But in general, I really liked it. I don't know if you would like it because you didn't like Lost City. And I think it's funny in the same way that Lost City was funny. Oh, jeez. Um, I think when it starts, when it comes out to streaming, I think you should check it out simply for the chemistry. I think it'd be worth giving it a shot. I'm also like a um, George Clooney fan. Who doesn't like George Clooney, bro? Yeah. And so I was very much impressed with the movie. It's like a seven and a quarter, like really good lighthearted movie. This is one of those, like, it, it's just a, it's a funny movie. Everyone was laughing. It, it was just a good time. Sweet. Um, I also watched Andrew Schultz um, special on YouTube. It formally came out on Moment, which is a new like streaming platform. Um, for a limited yeah. amount of time, you had to pay for it. Here's the thing about Andrew Schultz, bro. He's very good at being funny. The problem is, is this one? Of the, this is one of those things where he really likes saying the things you're not supposed to say. And for me, that gets old fast. Um, yeah. So even if it's funny, even if it's funny. It can't be your thing. You know what I mean? Um, and I like the unique takes. Like, I'm not going to spoil his jokes, but he has one where, like, blackface is not okay. But if you're in the Navy SEALs and it's in the middle of the night, you probably want your white buddy to cover up his face. And I'm like, that's a unique take. I've never heard that before. I really appreciated that. That was cool. Um, he has a lot of jokes where I'm like, I can't watch this with anybody else because I'm going to feel like I have to defend him. And that's a horrible feeling to have. Um, yeah. Super good at podcasting. Um, he has his own podcast. He does one with Charlemagne. Um, he's blowing up right now. Like people freaking love this guy. Um, and for me, it's just like, I wouldn't raunchy's not the good word and neither is dirty, but it's just like, it's too hardcore. It's not like a casual date night. This is not a dinner and jokes. This is like balls to the wall, not messing around comedy. And that for me got old a little fast. So if, if, um, Samurai, same time tomorrow is an eight and a half, nine. This is probably a six and a half. It's good. Okay. Um, and I think the people who love it are really going to love it. And I think there's people like me who are like, I appreciate the jokes. Like he's making some good points. And then there's going to be a huge section of people who are like, what the heck, dude, this is too much. I think, I don't, I mean, I don't need to say anymore. I think people pick up what I'm laying down. I, th- uh, I don't know. So. Yeah, six and a half. It was good. I'm glad I didn't pay for it, though. I am very glad I didn't pay for it. Sure. And that concludes um, my uh, free balling. All right. So next week, our next micro theme is going to be war movies because war movies are going to get sad. 
<laughs> there's a lot. Of, it's very, very heavy stuff in war movies. I also think like so we decide it's not one. Once you've seen one, you've seen them all. But there's so many common themes that if we were to fill it up with four in a month, we'd get worn out. So we're doing a classic and we're doing a new one. We're going to be watching Saving Private Ryan and we're going to be watching 1917. And I've and so that's, you know, that's a journey for next week. Yeah. That's next week's problem. Yeah. I'm excited. I've seen one, haven't seen the other, but they're good. I've heard they're both great movies. Uh, we'll talk about it next week. But until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.